And the ability to wake up at 5.30 in the morning and the sun's already streaming in, fantastic. I wonder if you like that. I know some people like the dark and the cold and the, you know, the more comfortable. I'm completely energized during the summer and I'm loving every single minute of it. You're here on High FM and we are learning the story of creation. We are going through the book of Genesis particularly the Parsha of Genesis. We're on chapter four. We were yes, last week discussing the whole incident, very interesting incident of Cain and Abel and how unfortunately right there, smack in the beginning of creation, we already <clears throat> are in a situation where there's murder. There's murder. The second, third, fourth, fifth person around, and already we have a uh, we 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 have a murder on our hands. And um, this first, um, importantly, we need to understand this became and is the nature of the world. Once Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and they brought themselves down, so to speak, into the darkest innermost part of. The world where they now had a freedom of choice, the choice to choose good and bad is now an equal and opposite force. And this has been something that has plagued um, humanity since its inception all the way to today. Whatever we do, whatever decisions we take, there is always a left and a right, a right and a wrong, a black and a white. And sometimes it gets very, very, very difficult to try even work out what's right and what's wrong. And I guess that in our struggles, the most important thing, and I think I emphasize it over and over again, is that we need to have a moral compass. We need to have something outside of ourselves that tells us what's right and wrong, because if we don't, when we try to make a decision based on our own understandings and our own perceptions and our own experiences, um, there is no guarantee that what we are doing is absolutely right. Only if you have something over and above you, then you can make that right decision. And really, this is where we find the narrative of Cain and Abel. We are going to be looking at verse 9 of chapter 4 where it just the verse before um, we read Vayakam Cain El Hevel Achiv, that Cain got up um, against his brother Hevel and Vayahar Gehu, he killed him. So now in verse 9 we have the following discussion, uh, that we have a discussion that ensues between God and Cain and Cain. Vayomer Hashem El Cain. God says to Cain, Aye Havel Achicha, where is your brother Hevel? Vayomer, and Cain replies, Lo yadaiti, I don't know. Hashomer Achi Anochi, am I my brother's keeper? Now, before we even carry on, probably the, 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 the center of this all is really a question of, was that a correct answer? Like, 
What have you done? Where is your brother? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, what's a very interesting idea, and this is something that Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, um, the former chief rabbi of England, um, spoke about, is that throughout the book of Genesis, throughout the book of Bereshit, we see many instances where responsibility is questioned. And this is something that I'd like to put out to all of you out there and for you to join in in the conversation as to how do we measure responsibility? How do we understand what we are supposed to be responsible for? And why am I asking this question? Because this idea of responsibility is something that we see four times just in the book of Genesis alone, obviously, it bears on many in bears and, and is found in many, many other places. But let's just go through the examples in Genesis and let's understand from there. The first time that we actually hear about responsibility is when God turns to Adam and he asks the question, Ayeka, where are you? This was just after the episode of the eating of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. It says their eyes were opened. They felt they were naked. They saw that they were naked. They made themselves some um, clothes and they hid. And God went for a walk in the Garden of Eden. And he says out, Ayeka, where are you? And Adam replies, we're hiding. And God says, why are you hiding? He says, because we realized we were naked. And then um, the conversation continues, and God says to him, like, basically, what have you done? And he says, what? I did what my wife told me to do, okay? My sin, my sin is because my wife told me to do that. And from there, we can see that he actually takes the victim um, modus operandi, not my fault. I did what my wife told me to. Now, notwithstanding me explaining this on a much, much deeper level, let's just understand it on a literal level. Not me. Um, it was my wife that made me. That is a victim mentality. Let's fast forward now to what we are learning now. Chapter 4, verse 9, where God says to Cain, Aye, Hevel Achicha. Where is your brother, Hevel? And he goes, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Here we kind of like have um, a moral, a lack of moral responsibility. What are you asking me for? Am I supposed to look after him as well? I have absolutely nothing to do with him. I live in this world. I have my agenda. I have what to do. What are you asking me where he is? I'm not his keeper. Further, later, we go and see towards the end of the book of Genesis, the story of Noah. And we hear that Noah ish tzadik haya bedorotav, that Noah was a righteous man in his generation. And um, that verse comes under scrutiny. And please, God, when we get there, we will understand it in its enormity. But 
again, on a basic level, Rashi goes and says, what does it mean that he was ish tzaddik bedorotav? He was a righteous man in his generation. So they, they say he was only in his generation. Relative to who he was living around, he was a tzaddik. But if you had stuck him in the time of Abraham, then he would be diminished. He wouldn't be a tzaddik. He wouldn't be a righteous person. And in fact, part of his lack and criticism that the rabbis bring is that he took no responsibility for the people around him. There was no collective responsibility in this area. He was only worried about himself and his kids. And in fact, truthfully, that's what happened. At the end of time, he saved only himself and his three sons and their daughters. The rest of humanity was washed away. Again, there's a responsibility here. Where do we draw the line? Finally, right at the end of the book of Bereshit, we learn about the Tower of Babel, that enormous tower that the people of uh, that the people had built. Why? Because they wanted to conquer God. Okay, we know in the beginning that God created heaven and earth, and He said, "Hashemayim, Shemaim la Hashem." The heaven is for God. The world is given to man, and there's a dominion. God is in heaven. We are in, on earth, and there has to be an interaction between the two. Suddenly, we see somebody, some some entities, a people, trying to throw off the shackles of any type of responsibility or reply or or, or, or connection with God, and um, says. Let us become like God. And they try to throw off the complete shackles. So I want to discuss this concept of responsibility, whether you're the victim, whether it's moral, whether it's collective, whether it's just an absolute unshackling of everything. And I'd love you to join this conversation. Our SMS is 34519. Our WhatsApp is 061-895-1019. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, I want to discuss a little bit this concept of responsibility um, and, you know, just go through it a little bit. What does Torah demand of us? Because we're looking here at the book of Genesis, the book of creation. We're, we're stopped at the story and the verse of um, Cain, of, of, of Cain's um, response to uh, to, to God when God asks him, where is Hevel? Am I my brother's keeper? And this has brought up an entire discussion that if you actually look at it on a literal sense, um, Adam was in victim mode. He said, it, it wasn't me. It was my wife that forced me to. Cain goes and says, well, what are you asking me? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Comes to Noach and he doesn't seem to care too much about what's going on around him. He builds his ark and he floats off into the sunset. And finally, you see kind of like mankind throwing off the shackles of responsibility. What does, what is, what, what, what lessons should we learn from this? And how does this apply to um, our time in 2018? Um, and I encourage your comments, your, your questions. You, you know, what do you feel about responsibility? Do you feel that we live in a society that is responsible? Do you feel that we should have moral and collective responsibility? Is it really my problem 
that you know somebody else, my next door neighbor, uh, my next door country, somebody across the world is doing something that is maybe not to my liking or to my morals. Where where do we stand? Where does Judaism stand in this entire discussion? The SMS number is three four five one nine and WhatsApp oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. So on face value, um, one needs probably from my, my understanding and um, my reading of, of, of this situation, one needs to understand what responsibility is all about. What does it mean that I take on the shackles of that responsibility? And it's actually a very, very broad discussion because there can be and are times where we might feel uh, responsible um, for something that w- it's, that is not in our control and that you know we cannot do. Where do we where do we slice this? How how, how do we find ourselves in a a moral stand ground that 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 is secure and that that is correct? So overall, generally, the Torah takes responsibility very, very seriously. And it has a, a lot of uh, halachic requirements around the fact that we are not an island unto ourselves. We don't live just for ourselves. So being like Cain and saying, Hashoimer achi anochi, am I my brother's keeper? is completely false and against the basic tenets of Judaism. Judaism teaches that we are responsible for ourselves, but we are also responsible for the sphere of influence that we have. Some of us have greater spheres of influence than others, but nevertheless, we have a responsibility to those that we find in our sphere um, to ensure their well-being, to ensure um, their upkeep, to ensure the betterment um, of, of the, the situation. Now, responsibility comes from the word response-able, that you're able to respond. And one of the things that is ingrained in us, even from a very, very young age, is the understanding and the knowledge that whenever we find ourselves in a situation, we are able to respond. And the question is, the response, how is it to be? It's to be according to the dictates of halakha, of Torah, of what the Bible preaches. And we have many of them. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do not um, uh, hurt the widow the orphan, um, we spoke about the fact that um, God showed kindness to Adam and Eve and clothed them, and from there we learned that we needed to clothe people. Um, the, 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 the Bible and the, the whole Torah is replete with things that give us a moral responsibility to go out and make this place a better place. In fact, this is why we were created. We were brought down into this world, into the university of life. And our job is to ensure that not only ourselves, but 
everything and everybody that comes into our realm is treated, A, with respect, B, we give of ourselves and see that everything that they need, um, that we provide it. And um, overall, you can see this genre in Jewish communities around the world. We can just, you know, simply dissect the Jewish community here in South Africa um, and look at the incredible work that the Hebra Kedisha does, that the various other institutions that give food. And it's not just about the Hebra Kedisha used to be just a burial society. It isn't just about burial. It's about counseling. It's about financially supporting people. It's about looking after the elderly. It's about looking after those that are disadvantaged, looking after those that are mentally handicapped. It's about stretching out your arm and not saying, am I my brother's keeper? as kinded, but responding rather, yes, I am my brother's keeper. What can I do to make this world a better place for you to live in? What can I do? What can I give of my time, my resources, my energies, my capabilities to make this place better for you? And then by extension, by going out and doing that for you, um, I myself uh, find myself in a better position. So this response, lo yadaiti, hashomer achi anochi, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper, is certainly and categorically uh, something that is against Judaic thought and a lesson for us that we cannot and should not behave that way. But there is other responsibility that the Torah comes to teach us. We go back to Adam Harishon, we go back to Adam, the first man, and we don't hold ourselves in a victim position either, going and saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it was my wife that told me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, I happened to have been brought up badly, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it, it was my mother, my father, my brother, you know, the country, the people, the place, the president of the United, it wasn't me, it's his fault. Torah does not allow for victim um, a, 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 a victim mentality because at the end of the day we have a teaching that everything that we see and we hear and every environment that we find ourselves in is orchestrated by God. God brought us to it because it is there that we need to work. And when we go and say it wasn't me, it was, and you blame somebody else, you blame another place, another thing, another person, another situation, what you are doing is you're abrogating your responsibility. You're saying, not my problem. I'm walking away. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I ate from the tree. It wasn't my fault. I was forced to. The woman gave it to me. Not my fault. I can't control my anger because this is how I was brought up. Not my fault. I can't do anything because look what allows you. President Trump is like just the ap absurdity and the, the, the wrongness of it. Um, if one actually sits down and thinks about it is, is, is quite, is quite an, uh, enormous. And so victim mentality, lack of moral responsibility is not on the radar of Judaism. Let's move forward to, um, to, uh, Noah's time, where we have the sense of collective responsibility, where here he was, he had 120 years 
to build his Teva, to build his ark. And uh, he didn't actively go out and try change people and try change their minds and get them to better themselves. He just merrily went around knocking and preparing himself so that eventually, yes, what he did was that he uh, he sailed into the sunset, just saving himself and his family. We are a community, and more than any time today, we are cognizant of the fact that we're one global village. And what I do and how I affect um, my environment has a repercussion on the rest of society. And no, Torah does not say, you know, dig yourself a hole, save yourself, and don't worry about anybody else. One needs to have the sensitivity to go out and ensure that we are changing the world um, and the the space that we find ourselves in all the time. And finally, we have the ultimate shrugging of responsibility in the story of the Tower of Babel, where not only did they not want to be answerable, but they actually wanted to conquer he who they should be answerable to. And this is very prevalent today. God? Who's God? I don't have a God. Like I have my own set of values and what I think and how I feel and what I should do. And I'm not responsible for answering to anything higher than myself. So on all four cases, we can see there's a shrugging of this responsibility, of this ability to respond in a godly manner where we elevate ourselves out of the selfishness that drives us and actually looks at somebody else's plight. And I think this is a vital and important conversation to have with ourselves, with our families, with our communities, because the only way this world can be made a better place is when people take that responsibility take a yoke um, upon themselves and they they work together to make this place a better place. And we do see, we do see people coming to the fore and coming graciously, giving in an in an in an unrelenting way, in a in a in a in a in a um a flowing way to others because they understand that we're not, we, do, we don't live in a vacuum. Uh, just thinking about it, you know, when we saw what happened with the Thai boys, the world came to the fore. Every country that had something to offer, people who selflessly gave up their holidays, their times, who, who actually, I think one of the, the guys there, he had lost his father. He had just had news that he lost his father, still gave up the time to go and save 12 boys, strange boys that he'd never met, he couldn't, he couldn't communicate with, came to the fore. Similarly, just looking at events a couple of weeks ago where we had the, the tragic um, death of the 11 Jews in Pittsburgh, look what the Muslim com community did that. They raised over 100,000 rand, dollars, rand, 100,000 dollars um, to assist these are the types of examples where you see people coming to the fore because, hey, 
my space is your space and I'm responsible I'm responsible to make it safe like your safety is my safety if you're safe I'm safe I can't just burrow my head and say oh well that was a synagogue let's just forget about you know the fact that uh, I'm down the road and I, I practice a different religion so I have absolutely nothing to do with no that was a brilliant response the diving story with the tie was a brilliant response and then we don't have to get to world headlines to understand it in our lives when we stop to help a person when we go out of our way and say how are you doing today what can i do for you and you take responsibility not say it's not my fault i couldn't help it i just stood on the line that's when we grow to be people godlike human beings that are are um, enormous in God's eyes, that are connected to God. The other side of the coin is when we actually don't take responsibility and then we get into trouble. I hope that's shed some light. Would like some comments? Do you think I'm? Do you think what I've said is right? Is it wrong? The SMS number is three four five one nine. The WhatsApp is o six one eight nine five. 1019. It's got an SMS in that today's Torah learning is dedicated and a refuah shlema for Esther but Sarah. Here is an example of responsibility that even when uh, the people have departed or somebody is sick, that I don't know who I am actually learning on behalf of. I don't know who the sick person is. But I'm glad to share the burden and do something towards him, be it spiritual, physical, emotional, mental. It's something moving on and taking responsibility. So now let's go look into the verses and see the response of Cain, save of that, you know, I'm not my brother's keeper. I want to take a step back and say and ask the question again, as with God saying, Ayeka, where are you? To Adam and Eve, God starts it and says, um, A Hevel Achicha, where is your brother Hevel? And uh, the question is, come on, your God, you know where he, where he is. You know that he's lying now in the ground. He's, you know, um, uh, he, he's bled to death. He just got murdered by his brother. Why are you asking this? And again, we reiterate that. This is a lesson that when a person does something wrong, he is not to be punished until he is questioned. We spoke about that a lot when we were discussing Adam and Eve, um, because it is possible that they, they have a good defense. And the second reason is that this was a, a, an opportunity to give Cain the, 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 the space, the chance to admit his wrongdoing. Now, if he, if Cain had, had, Behaved correctly, he would have said, "I'm sorry." The yetsa horror, the evil urge overcame me. I killed him. I've sinned. I've done wrong. I've committed a crime. How can I repent? But he didn't. He was so into, um, you know, guarding himself and who he was. He just threw it back at God and said, "Lawyer, dati, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper?" And once God gave him that space to defend himself. 
and he didn't, in fact, depend, defend himself. He just act, acted without any responsibility whatsoever. Verse 10 reads as follows. This is God speaking now. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is screaming to me from the ground. And very interestingly, for those that listen to the Hebrew carefully, look at the words, the blood of your brother. Now, damei um, is coming from the word dam, blood, but damei is in the plural. So literally read, it would read, what have you done? The voice of your brother's bloods is screaming to me from the ground. And the rabbis ask, why is that in the plural? So we're taught something powerful. God said to Cain implicitly, it is not only the blood of your brother that is screaming to me from the ground. I also hear the voices of all the children he would have had and all the descendants that would have been theirs. And so we are taught correctly that any person who commits a murder You don't only kill that single individual, but also the entire lineage that would come from this victim ad infinitum. The vice versa versa is also true that if one saves a human being, it is considered as if he has saved an entire world. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kozilski. Welcome back. And uh, we are finalizing and finishing up the story of Cain and Abel, we finished up where God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is screaming to me from the ground. And um, it's now in in verse 11, we read, this is God continuing the conversation with Cain. Cursed are you from the ground which opened its mouth to take your brother's blood from your hand. Um, So here we learned that the earth actually tried to do a good deed. It didn't want the animals to lap up the blood of Hevel, and so it swallowed it all up. Um, But now God is cursing um, um, Cain, and he says as follows, you, when you will work the soil. Now, this is going further than what happened with Adam. Okay, with Adam, we said you're going to work the soil by the sweat of your brow, you'll reap. He says, when you work the soil, it will no longer give you of its strength. So, when you work the soil, it will no longer give to you of its strength and you will be restless and a wanderer on the earth. So basically, when he would plow, when he would sow, the earth would no longer um, have the power to give forth produce to Cain and he would probably work a great deal in order to harvest a little. And it says not only that, not only is it going to be difficult for you to function on the earth, but you are going to always be weary and move from city to city. 
And we're told in the Mamloes that wherever Cain went, the earth would tremble beneath his feet like an earthquake. And all the animals would wonder why this was happening. And when they found out that he, in fact, had murdered his brother, they wanted to tear him to pieces. So Cain understood now the repercussion and the punishment that he now had to bear. And he replies to God in verse 13, Vayome Cain al-Hashem, Cain says to God, Gadol avoni minsoi, my sin is too great to bear. Hein garashti oti hayom me'al adama. This is verse 14 and 15 I'm reading now. Behold, today you have banished me from the face of the ground and from the, your face I am concealed. Umipanecha esater. I am banished from your face. Vahayiti nad na venadad. And I am going to become restless, a wonder, a wanderer on the earth. And anybody who will find me will want to kill me. He was devastated now by the repercussion of his, his, uh, his punishment. Now, very interesting. All right, let me just finish one more verse and then we'll get back. So God replied to him, Okay, so God says, well, whoever will kill Cain then shall suffer tenfold vengeance. God then gave him a sign, a mark. Okay. God placed a mark on Cain that whoever found him would not kill him. And here we see one of the repercussions of murder, not of intentional full straight murder, but accidental murder, is that you land up becoming a refugee. We have it in the Torah. This is how people of accidental murder were punished. They would have to go to the Ir Miklat. They would have to leave, and they would have to wander um, one, wander around. Now, one of the questions we can ask is why did Cain not understand the repercussions of his his act that he had to act in a moral irresponsibility and say, hey, I, well, what you're asking me, I'm not my brother's keeper. Certainly he knew that to murder was in fact not allowed. And how do we know that? Because we know that when Adam was in the Garden of Eden. You can go back in the podcasts and hear. Um, Adam was taught the Shiva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, the seven universal commandments, one which pro, uh, uh, prohibits murder. Now, surely Adam taught these commandments to his children. So how did Cain ever come to it? So the analogy is given in anything. You can do accounting. You can learn about the laws of Shechting animals and the laws of treif. There is the theory and then there is the practical. So, you know, one can always tell and explain to people in theory what the law is, what you, how you're supposed to behave, what you're supposed to do. But when it comes to the practice, that is when you, 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 you know, that's when you make your decision. And many times we falter. We make a mistake because we do not know how to apply the theory. The question is then what type of sign did God give Cain? So there are various opinions. Some say that God engraved one of the letters of his name on Cain's forehead. Another opinion says the sun rose early 
uh, for Cain every day. Why? Because the animals would uh, want to attack Cain in the nighttime because that's generally when wild animals prowl as well as other harmful forces. So what God did was would make the sunrise early for them so they would keep away from Cain. Others dispute this, saying that Cain was wicked. He didn't deserve God performing any miracles for him. And in fact, the sign was that he actually had leprosy. And since he was leprous, the animals recognized him and they didn't want to come close to him. One other opinion says that, sorry, there's two other opinions that God gave Cain a dog as a constant companion. Um, the dog would lead and Cain would follow and the dog would take him to safe places. And finally, um, one rabbi picks up on the word that it says ot. He gave him a sign. Now, the other, other place where we hear the word ot is actually about Shabbat, that Shabbat is a sign between us and between God that we recognize him as the leader as the as the, the the master supreme and so it says that the merit of shabbat protected Cain. that the murder actually happened on the eve of a shabbat at twilight and the merit of the shabbat protected Cain and safeguarded him from all evil so those are the various things and finally we have the last two verses Vayetze Kain milifne Hashem, Kain left God, Vayeshev Be'eretz Nod, and he dwelt in the land of Nod, Kidmat Eden, in the east of Eden. Nod means to wander, means he left God's presence, and this is, he just wandered east of Eden, where his father also would be found. And finally, we're going to close the chapter of Cain by reading the last verse where it says, Vayede Cain et Ishto. Cain knew his wife, Vatahar, and uh, she fell pregnant. Vateled et Chanoch, and she gave birth to Chanoch, or Enoch in English. Vayhi boine ir, and Cain um, built a city. Vayikra shem ha'ir, kashem beno Chanoch, and he named the city Chanoch after his son. So it says that he neglected. Cain at the end neglected to repent completely. He settled in the land of Nod, and when he finally had his first son, Hanoch, um, he built a new city, which he called. And that, ladies and gentlemen, for today, um, finishes up our discussion. One, primarily, the message I wanted to, to, to bring across was about responsibility. And with that note, I hope you have a response-able week. A, a, a week filled with responsibility where we extend ourselves out of ourselves, out of our selfish needs, and we go out and give a helping hand to make this world a better place through an act of goodness and kindness. In the meantime, have a fabulous week.